Hey, welcome back to another episode of JavaScript Jabber. This week on our panel is Dan Shapir. Hello from warm and sunny Tel Aviv. And I'm Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. We've, we're doing a crossover episode this week. We're here with the guys from Whiskey, Web, and Whatnot. Um, I don't know who we should introduce first. Let's go in alphabetical order and let's have Charles the third. <laughs> I know that's an inside <laughs> joke, but go ahead and introduce yourself and then we'll uh, we'll let Robbie introduce himself. Sounds great. Yeah. Uh, so our one listener knows me as Charles William Carpenter the third. And uh, friends and colleagues know me as Chuck as well. Um, yeah. But for all intents and purposes and lack of confusion, we'll call me Charles III here. Uh, yep, so I'm co-host of Whiskey Web and Whatnot. So avid whiskey enthousi- enthusiast, uh, technologist, a lot of front-end JavaScript work across my career. And uh, that's me in a nutshell. Awesome. Robbie, yeah. go ahead. Hey, um, yeah, I'm Robbie Wagner. I go by Robbie the Wagner online because Robbie Wagner was taken everywhere. So uh, that's my <laughs> handle everywhere. Um, yeah, I do this podcast with Chuck. We drink some whiskey, talk some tech, etc. Um, I do a lot of Ember. I'm like the only guy still doing it. I have been doing Ember <laughs> since uh, 2012. Uh, the community's gotten a lot smaller, but I still love it. And, and I'm uh, yeah, having fun doing that. Yeah, I yeah. Would actually, that's something I'd like to discuss if we have some time along the way. I mean, how is sure. Ember doing these days and whatnot? Uh, that said, that's I'm also annoyed about the fact that I don't have whiskey right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, didn't prepare you appropriately. Episode, yeah. yeah, exactly. exactly. We'll have to rectify yeah. that in the future. Yeah. I'm, I'm the only I'm teetotaler here because I, yeah, I don't enough. drink. I've, yeah. I have a lot of mediocre whiskey substitutes to, to recommend to you, so don't worry. <laughs> and one <laughs> I'll be like, okay, that was interesting. I'll never drink it again. Water. <laughs> there you go. Uh, uh, you'd be surprised, actually. There's been decent feedback on on some of them from folks who are also uh, uh, not drinkers, and uh, you know, a decent flavor there, and they give it a little bit of spice to give you kind of a faux burn as it goes down the throat. But uh, in general, I, I, I hear it's fairly tasty. Oh, cool. So I, I kind of want to back up just a, a little bit and talk a little bit about your show. Um, how did you guys get started with this? Like, what was the idea? What was the plan? Yeah. Do you want to go with it? Robert? I, sure. Yeah. I mean, it was basically, um, we had some extra cash and wanted a way for whiskey to be a business expense. So, um, that, <laughs> that was kind of how we started. Um, and the first, you know, 10 or so episodes, we didn't really know what we were doing. We were just kind of like, let's drink whiskey and have fun and and whatever. Um, and we've slowly kind of evolved from there and, and gotten more legit about it and like had, you know, prominent guests on and gotten more serious with our topics. But we keep it, it pretty lighthearted still usually. And um, I think it gives a unique format because people get a little flustered. Sometimes they drink a little too much and uh, sometimes they have a really fun time. Yeah. I mean, whiskey arbitrage is essentially how I uh, <laughs> present it initially. Uh, and then conversely, there's a couple of different things that go into the concept. Um, I mean, one aspect being like that we wanted to hear something different from some of the people that we we're hearing on podcasts, right. especially folks who have a particular project that they want to pitch and talk about. 
you can tell that they sort of have the same notes that they take along to each show. And mm-hmm. it kind of goes down that path. And unless they get some interesting questions, you're just sort of getting their marketing pitch. Um, so Whiskey per- presents a little bit of unintended duress through that conversation sometimes. So, you know, you take it very casual, you start with the whiskey, you get a little of that effect, and then you just kind of start talking as people. So it keeps it uh, a bit more casual. Like part of, I would say like part of the idea or the way that I think about it is if you've ever uh, seen that YouTube show, Hot Ones, how mm-hmm. Sean Evans is an excellent interviewer. And I wouldn't necessarily say that of myself mm-hmm. per se, but the fact that he can move through like an interesting interview and present level, you know, increased levels of duress over time. And we're not trying to have people under duress, but we do loosen them up and then it becomes more of a fireside chat. The fire's right. in their mouth and belly, I guess. No, that makes sense. And that's generally what I kind of hope that we do here too, is just kind of have more of a conversation among people as opposed to, yeah. And sometimes we do, we, we wind up walking into and then walking through the pitch that they have, but yeah. Yeah. I, just as a side comment, I used to work at the Wix and one of the good things about working at Wix is that at least for a certain time we had, um, liquor budget Hmm. as part of our office expenses. Yeah. It was interesting time. Some of the best whiskey I've drunk. Interesting. Yeah. We had a couple of people from Wix on our show and they were mentioning similar things that they're very into alcohol there. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And other things. Yeah. 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 Uh, We were, those, that was one of the episodes we recorded at uh, render ATL actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, Well, kind of on the fly. Yeah, it was the same weekend that I was at uh, JS Nation and React uh, Summit. So, well, I've I was, just submitted a, a talk to Render ATL next year. Let's see what happens. <laughs> I, I saw the pictures from Render ATL and stuff, and I was like, "That looks like fun." And you know, seeing people that I know, just like I was seeing people that I know, you know, in person in Amsterdam, it was yeah, it was like it's too bad. Yeah, they're the same weekend. They only. They're tough. They're only allowing one submission per speaker. Oh, wow. Mm. Well, I think they're really new sure. to that process, so you can understand where they want to just... Uh, and the, so many people go there. It is a huge conference, and I can't imagine it um, stagnating or getting smaller. I mean, it is a very yeah. unique, almost like cultural experience. And so if you're expecting, you know, if you have 3,000 plus attendees, and then you're expecting... Oh, there were probably at least 100 speakers last year or this past oh, wow. year um, i think it was 80 was it yeah i thought it was around 100 so give yeah, or take give or i take. suppose and um and and the tracks are concurrent and so there's yeah what, four to six rooms a main stage kind of thing um that's a lot of talks and probably a lot of people submitting to to get in on that so it's right. also uh, one of the fewer uh, conferences in the u.s that i saw that actually fully cover travel expenses Mm, for some reason conferences in europe do and those in the states are less likely to at least for my experience we believe in the same changing capitalism yeah (laughs) isn't capitalism about getting paid for what you do right what it doesn't always about sharing about keeping money it's about yeah. keeping the money. <laughs> <And> <laughs> okay. Yeah. It, it, it depends. It, I mean, it's it's down to incentives, right? And so if they can get away with not paying it, then they probably won't. 
if right. if they can't get the people that they want, then they might start paying for it. So, I just got back home from Front uh, Zurich, Front Conference Zurich, which was an excellent conference, by the way. So props to them, and they actually even give a stipend hmm. to speakers yeah. beyond the actual covering of expenses, which is unfortunately even less common. Yeah, I've but, been to uh, some yeah. that do one or the other, but yeah. Not so many that do both, unless it was paid for by like Microsoft or something like that. And mm-hmm. I'm kind, I'm kind of curious that you know as to how that goes. Um, as far as, yeah, I mean, what was your experience there? Did you do your uh, live show as a session, or was it just recording we, in a room, or how did that work? It was recording in a room, so we had space in their media room, and uh-huh. we had a couple of things planned, and then many things not planned. So we were just kind of ready to go on the fly. And we were just trying to interact with speakers. And then what we learned later was that uh, folks who were involved, like speakers and uh, and other folks involved in the conference themselves, found out that we were recording this whiskey podcast and that we had bottles of whiskey available that we were sharing with folks. So it became oh, wow. like kind of a, a little underground speakeasy for oh, people wow. through the afternoon. <laughs> It'd swing in, watch us a little bit. Can I pour one of these? Well, okay. And then, yeah. So it, it actually was really interesting just because of the nature of um, how on the fly things occurred in that. But uh, but yeah, we just, we had a big banner and our equipment and stuff. And we just set up in a media room that we mostly had to ourselves. So did they invite you to come or did you invite yourself? Or <laughs> Yeah. Kind of so we, we we're not invited. We did like a paid thing with them. Um, I think we could have snuck in there and done whatever we want just because it's oh, so yeah. big and so much <laughs> is going on. But uh, yeah, I, uh, we weren't one of the invited guests. Though. You know, we just okay. did a paid thing. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I've gone to several conferences. Like, um, So when I went to the one in Amsterdam recently, uh, they paid for my hotel. JS Nation, and, right? JS Nation, yeah. They paid for my hotel and airfare. And, you know, they had food at the event. So it was just a couple of days extra I was there. Um, Microsoft, they used to do it where um, they would pay airfare, hotel, and food and everything. Um, and then we would come. But they had a number of podcasters, right, that were coming. And they actually had booths set up. And they would work with us to figure out who our guests would be. And so we basically just showed up and recorded and walked away with an SD card with recordings on it. Um, JS Nation, they, I, I really appreciated the opportunity, but they didn't do a great job lining me up with the guests or uh, giving me space to record in. And they had a couple of other people there and, you know, kind of, you know, they just kind of figured it out. So we all just kind of figured it out together. But, um, that's one thing that I have figured out is that if they don't know how they're doing it, a lot of times I can insert myself into the process and say, okay, this is, this is how we're going to do this. And that way they get a good showing out of people showing up and, and whatnot. But yeah, anyway, it's interesting. So, so when you say it was a paid thing, you paid them to, to go. Okay. Yeah. We were sponsors yeah. of the conference. Yeah. Okay. And I've done that yeah. too. And then I've actually, they gave me sponsored space on the floor and we just recorded on the floor. I've done that as well at other conferences. I'm kind of surprised that more conferences don't do this in a more organized sort of a way. 
like as a way to promote the conference, mm-hmm. you know, uh, contact certain uh, podcasts, have the speakers be guests mm-hmm. on those podcasts ahead of the conference, talk about what they are going to talk about and stuff like that as a way to get, you know, as an incentive for more people to to sign up for the conference, I would think. Yeah, that's a great idea. I think, uh, I mean, I would welcome doing this more. We really weren't sure mm-hmm. um, how things were going to go. And then we did the Ember Conf also, but we did that as a session and more as speakers. Right. Um, and we have a travel setup that is pretty solid now. Yeah, um, yep. You know, ironed it out through uh, a couple of, like both those conferences. And then we did an offsite in Portland um, another time too in like this whiskey library. So we just thought that was on brand. So I, I would love to do more live yeah. stuff at conferences and would definitely welcome that. And I, I can see uh, it's a great idea. Conversely, like conference organizers sponsor an episode. Come on, yeah. let's talk about your mm-hmm. thing. And that I think that would be cool. We can do it in our format. Yeah, I've been reaching out to some conferences and started putting this together. And Instead of just saying, "Hey, have JavaScript Jabber or Ruby Rogues or React Roundup or one, you know, one of our other shows show up," it's, "Hey, yeah, let's set up some space. Let's put all this stuff together, and then let's invite three, four, five podcasts, right? You know, depending on what your budget is and and what you want to cover, and see what they're willing to do, right? Because, yeah, I mean, you guys sponsored to show up at at Render ATL, and so, um. I'm assuming some of the other podcasters out there are willing to put some skin in the game, right? Mm-hmm. Especially yeah, but if they I'm know even that... thinking like sort of a package deal because yeah. both sides are getting something out of it. Yeah. I mean, if, well, you, if you make sure that the episodes with, with speakers yeah. are in advance, you're actually promoting the conference. So it's, yep. it's promotion that works both ways, it, it seems to me. Yeah, no, I, I agree, I agree with, with you. And that's more or less how the Microsoft stuff worked, except we didn't do it in advance. We just recorded it and they came out afterward. But for them, it was branding that that made sense for Microsoft, right? Because we were we were not interviewing just people speaking. We were interviewing Microsoft engineers and employees. And then occasionally we'd get somebody else. So do they reach out to you for that or are you proactive in finding that kind of engagement? So the Microsoft thing, the way that that worked out, the short story is is that I wound up speaking at a .NET conference that had an enthusiast on their staff for Ruby, and he talked them into doing a Ruby track. And so uh, we went to that event. It was in Vancouver, and um, .NET Rocks was doing a panel at the conference about agile development. And so they they looked around at everybody and said, "We all do Microsoft flavored Agile." Um, you know, Chuck is a, you know, Ruby guy. And so his take on things is a pretty different. And so they had me on the panel and I got to know Richard and Carl under those circumstances. And so when the opportunity came up, they ran it through Richard and Carl. And so they reached out to us um, to have our iOS show and JavaScript Jabber show up at Microsoft Build. And after that, they just had us at all of their events. And so uh, that that's how that worked out. Um, the JS Nation one, they reached out to us to kind of do some cross promotion, and I pitched them on coming and doing podcasts at the event, and that's how that kind of wound up working. Um, but 
yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you guys. I think there is some way that it works or could work where, yeah, everybody gets what they want and the podcasters mostly have their, their way paid to the event because it makes a ton of financial sense to the conference organizers to have you there. And so I'd love to sit down and just figure that out and reach out to a whole bunch of people and just say, hey, are you interested in doing this so that I can say, hey, we've got six, seven, ten podcasts that could all come. And, and again, you know, a lot of these, when you record at the conference, which is obviously very interesting and, and creates engagement for next time, but that's it. It's an engagement for yeah. next time. I'm thinking yep. that, you know, you can have people that will speak at the conference coming in ahead of time uh, because very often those conferences, especially now, you know, in this post-COVID period, not all co uh, conferences are able to sell all the tickets mm -hmm. easily in advance. Right. Um, anyway. Yeah. We, uh, we did that with JS Nation, but we didn't do it well. And I have a, a yeah. page of notes on, hey, here's how we do it again next time. Yeah, yeah which I, I would me... say that's it's twofold. It's like let's come to your conference and be, um, you know, there and recording with folks there that comes yeah. out after the event. But I think that there's a buildup that occurs, and you mm -hmm. have X Y Z person who will either be at the conference or as part of the conference organization, and they yeah. come on and then they sponsor an episode and they talk about their thing, and we, yep. you know, we have that kind of ongoing discourse that yep. continues up until the event. And then you continue that by saying, this is what happened. We recorded there. This was so exciting. Look for it next year. Yep. Yeah. Which brings me to another topic, uh, which I think is really interesting for me, is how do you get the guests for your podcast? What's your process? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's funny. It's yeah. so it's it's, funny. it's a lot easier than it should be, I think. Um, yeah. I guess mm -hmm. you know, for the most part, we just you know, uh, it's basically why I have a Twitter account. I just message people and say, "Do you want to be on there? Mm -hmm. You like?" And this they, you mean X, X, whatever. I'm <laughs> whatever. Same bird thing. Former bird thing. Um, I still call it Twitter. Uh, I, it's just yeah. Everybody like, knows what you mean. <laughs> yeah, if you say X, they're like, "Is this a family-friendly show?" Or no. Um, yeah, just I just changed the, the my um, you know the contact me thing on my slide deck from the Twitter bird to an X, and everybody <laughs> was laughing when I showed that. So yeah, 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 yeah I can kind of see that. I just I, put an X through the bird or something. People will get it. Yeah, I, I yeah. would just say it's because I have people that want me to help them start a podcast, and they're how do you get these people? And yeah. That's been my experience. 99% of the time, I just ask them. And sometimes it's mm -hmm. a month or two or three because they're busy. But most people, it's like, hey, here's our calendar link and it sorts itself out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah most people are into we, it. Yeah, we, we do the same. Although we also get, uh, we're established enough, I guess, uh, that also some people contact us and ask, to actually participate on the show. And funnily enough, you know, one of the guests that we had on our show, which, you know, is a, I guess, a headliner, which is Dan Abramov to speak about React mm -hmm. Server Components. Mm -hmm. He actually contacted me to come on the show rather than the other mm -hmm. way around. So people were asking, how did you get Dan? And I said, oh, funny you should ask. Uh, yeah. yeah, we get some of those. I don't know if you get all the junk emails. Hi. 
we work for internet com- or interview company and we're oh, trying yeah. to get some. Yep. We get a ton of those. Yeah. But occasionally, yeah. yeah, we'll have somebody float through that's released a book or something else and they're an interesting enough person or enough people know who they are to where, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just started out with like people we would read and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, articles you'd read, people you might follow a little bit on Twitter or whatever. And we're just well, like, we find them interesting. Let's, yeah, let's ask them. It was all Ember people to start. Yeah, well, that you were because I knew all of the Ember people. <laughs> Ember people. Yeah. I was like, I can't well, talk and, about this and, again. And you have the extra incentive of telling them if you come on yeah. the show, we'll send you some whiskey. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Which that, that isn't hurt <laughs> either. Um, yeah. Again, that's all part of the arbitrage part. Yeah. Um, by the way, I actually think that the situation with Twitter is making things more complicated because I know a good number of people who are intentionally no longer on that platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some people are more difficult to contact and reach out to than they were in the past. Yeah. yeah. Some dead accounts. You know, most people don't remove their accounts. Their accounts just stay there. You just DM them and they they don't answer and if you then somehow reach them and say oh i'm sorry i just don't look at twitter anymore so you know yeah i haven't run into that too much but i i've, I've seen either. more people like leave it has happened and they come back and they were like oh i went to mastodon yeah. and then nobody was there or it was a small circle and, and blue sky and yeah so for a while i was adding things on my uh, about me slide in my you know my talks at conferences and it got silly where i had like four links and i said yeah but i'm actually not there so i I wilted it all back down to x uh you know whatever we think about the guy who's running it either good or bad i'm just there for the people i know yeah, like yeah, that, right. that's, it's more about the community than that. Yeah, and I had rage quit uh, social media, I don't know, like five, six years ago. I just was tired of that or tired of arguing politics with my father-in-law or something of that nature. And so I was just like, I'm just tired of the whole thing. And, and so and, now yeah. you do it in, on, on Thanksgiving instead of on social media? Basically, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thanksgiving and Christmas, and that's the only time. Or we just say you can't talk about these things in our house. It's just not. And does that actually work? My experience not is that it doesn't. No, you've not met my wife. Um, it does work. <laughs> she will get louder or, or make him leave. So, <laughs> okay. So she's with you on, on, on those agendas. Yeah. Well, so it would be fun. I mean, I don't know if you want to go down this path, but uh, the short of it, the TLDR, is that I wouldn't even really argue like politics. There would be like a statement or some meme put up. And I would go to like Senate.gov and look at voting records and be like, oh, it looks like this wasn't true on this issue. Mm-hmm. And he would just respond with, well, you have your opinion, I have mine. I'm like, ah, it's not opinion. <laughs> it's just information. <laughs> <laughs> There's no alternative uh, facts here. Just the fact. Anyway. So. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, and that's, that's been an issue sometimes, you know, just around, you know, somebody will throw something out on the show and, you know, we, we, we just try to steer clear of a lot of that stuff, right? Because, we're talking about technology and things. Yeah, I don't. Rec- I don't actually recall any situation of of politics or stuff like that on our show. I, no, I can go back we... and find you instances, but most of it occurred before you were on the show. <laughs> yeah, right. I think and, so. 
And aside from whether you uh, feel adamantly enough to be on this particular, you know, Twitter X platform or not because of your personal feelings about the fellow who owns it, aside from that, technology is kind of agnostic to that, to all of those things yeah. anyway. So that's a beautiful thing to it. We argue about things like tabs and spaces or yeah. rebase or <laughs> merge. Yeah. And, oh, rebase you know, and merge is spicy. Who's, this, who's the smartest person? Yeah. Kind of thing. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, we, we have had people who worked on specific uh, presidential campaigns say, hey, we want to come talk about the technology we did on the campaign. And I had to, it, it never materialized. And basically that boiled down to, look, you're going to come talk about the technology and not about the campaign. And yeah. they weren't happy with that. And so it's like, I look, I, you know, I'm not looking to evangelize anybody, right? I, I have my opinions. I'm very politically involved in Utah and, um, right. But I, people aren't listening to the show so that I can tell them what I think about that stuff. Right. It's not, yeah, it's not exactly the form. And I I completely agree with that. And I, you know, great that that you have those feelings and opinions and, but that you can separate those and, and, and maintain that standard within this, because that is at the end of the day, what we're doing here, right? We're talking about, the intersect of things within technology and the specific technology aspects of it. I mean, you know, when you're ready to start the rust track in your podcast, you let me know because we got to, you know, work on getting everybody off of Ruby and onto rust, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Let's argue about that. No, I, we have other things. It's totally, no, it's, it's true. But, um, I have actually been considering the, the next two languages I'm going to be covering on the show, incidentally, well, one of them is not a language. Uh, we're starting a Python show. And then oh, we're yeah? also starting a, a game dev show. Is that show. the one that's yeah. not a language? <laughs> <laughs> Robbie has yeah, game dev. anything that doesn't have like um, ending operators, clear ending, no brackets. No, I got to have braces. I got to. You got to have, have yeah, you need yeah, your braces and you need semicolons. You just, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yep. But I like there, Python. So I, there's there's this meme about write about writing uh, Java, I think, in a way that looks like Python code, or was it the other way around? Like how how oh, do you every, format it in, in a way that you don't see all the semicolons and the oh. braces? That's funny. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So one one thing, getting back into the the podcast a little bit is. Um, I'm I'm a little curious. Are there certain topics that you try not to cover? I mean, are you pretty open as far as uh, web stuff? Or we're pretty yeah. open, and I mean, so we've we've um, tried to be diverse in other sides of web. It's usually always web specific. So okay. we're talking yeah. about being on the web, um, but it can be like tools for building stuff on the web too. Right? Yeah, not and, just and like, other folks yeah. that are involved, in, like we've spoken with um, recruiter and uh, analysts, and uh, just in other parts of like making this thing. Um, and I just think we had a lot of opinions around hiring and, and right. the way that has changed, uh, flipped on its head over the last six months to a year, I would suppose. And so I thought that was so just interesting. Yeah. So, so hiring like, is no longer broken. Oh, I would say it's always <laughs> very been broken. broken. <laughs> it's always been broken. The difference it's a is a different kind of broken. Power. It's, yeah, it's not broken in a changed. different way. Yeah, yeah, the power dynamic yeah. has flipped, and yeah. so it's become more broken. I think. Um, From my perspective, the power dynamic flipped, and then it flipped again. Hmm. Yeah. I would love to see the other side of that flip because I feel like it's really in no, favor I mean, of the employers at this point. What I mean is that I don't, again, I'm I'm looking at it from the perspective of how things are in Israel. Um, mm-hmm. 
and also I'm, you know, I'm old, <laughs> so I'm experienced, <laughs> so I don't really have the junior experience. Although my my son is now get starting to get into the market, so I guess I'll experience uh, the the what juniors uh, get, uh, you know, their experiences through him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I'm trying to say is that something like three years ago, it was um, an an employees market, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. Everybody was oh, yeah. chasing you, and now it's at, certainly for juniors and also, but but starting to even impact seniors, it's more of the on the side. The power is more on the side of the employer, prospective employers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. Yes, processes have become more uh, more challenging i would say for no yeah, other reason than to try and weed people out uh obviously their applicant pools are are crazy and then i think salaries are being affected by that as well yeah i do believe though that there are a lot of things people can do to make their situation better and make themselves stand out a whole lot more and so that it's not as i, I guess i guess in some ways it's arguing semantics but you know where where you're more likely to wind up in that top tier of the pool that they're actually going to really look at or or things like that that go beyond having 10 5 10 years experience right and so you can do things as a junior developer to make yourself stand out where they're actually going to go you know yeah they don't they don't check all the boxes but there's an there's enough here to make me really think about you know bringing them in and seeing what the story is so I remember at Wix, uh, this designer that wanted to get hired actually did a chalk drawing in the parking lot underneath the windows oh. of of the wow. offices. Nice. Wow. Like some writing, hire me, and then, you know, doing a lot of art around it. And to be That's honest, I hired. don't know if it worked or not, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it did get him an interview, so. Oh, well, yeah. at least got him into the yeah. in, into the candidate pool or something. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that if you want to work one specific place, you got to really work hard yep. to make that happen. If you just want to get hired, the, the problem is, is that you can't really afford to put the, that kind of effort into every single application. Right. 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 So then, then I guess the effort goes more around making yourself stand out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, showing up in the right places. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I I yeah. definitely know about people who wanted to get hired by Google or Meta that went to amazing lengths uh, in order to achieve that, you know, doing courses on getting hired and, and oh, preparing wow. for weeks on end just in order to pass the exams. Uh, I don't know. I've, I've never been willing to put in that amount of effort <laughs> just in order to get to get well, in the past the initial interview. I don't know. It seems yeah, kind of ridiculous yeah. to me. Obviously, the financial incentives are there if you do get through that. But then conversely, like you go through all of this training to get through the hiring process. And then the job you're going to do, I would say probably 99% of the time, doesn't reflect what you had to do to get the job. Oh, yeah. I mean, your job isn't just... Now we're back to why it's broken. Solving stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly, and that's those are things that were always broken. I just the problem well, is, is that maybe those, those hiring practices have become more pervasive in other places that don't end up giving you the same financial incentive. Though, also, 
Yeah, maybe what they're check, uh, testing for, though, isn't actually the knowledge that you're studying. Rather, it's your ability to study and your willingness to put in the work. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. Don't look behind the curtain. There's no man behind the green curtain. That's all I know. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's all broken anyway, because it depends on who your interviewers are. Like, they may yeah. all ask you the same algorithm questions or whatever, but they might be looking for you to solve it in different ways, or they might ask you behavioral questions that you answer differently. And like, I, we've talked about this before, I think, where like, you know, there'll be seven people that interview you in a loop. And then like one right. guy is like, well, I didn't like the way that he answered this question. Like, not that it was wrong. I just didn't like it. And then shuts you down. You don't get it. It's like, well, what if you did really well on the other six? Like, it's it's not a good yeah. process at all. Or or you have somebody that just make wants you to make them feel good. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so arbitrary. Yeah. All yeah. too often yeah. recently, I'm seeing situation where I hear about people interviewing for a job and in the middle of the interview, they hear that the company that they're interviewing for has just laid off 15% of their workforce. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. And so then, and then you ask yourself, what happens now? Yeah, well, I wonder if they're trying to just do a... a uh, workforce cost reduction. Oh, we just laid off people who have been here for a while and, and, you know, merit raises and all of those kinds of things. We can hire someone in to do the job for, you know, a 30% cut right. or something. Mm -hmm. You know, capitalism, again, rears its head from time to time. It's not about people or community. It's about... Well, it's, it's I, I never, think it's short-sighted it's on the cap... I, I think it's short-sighted, though, on, on the capitalist end, right? If you... If you have people that are contributing at a high level and you're paying them a high salary and they're worth it, right? Then yeah. you're a stupid capitalist if you're laying them off just because of some baseline number. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but the problem is that is that when you're a big enough company, you don't you stop looking at individuals. Mm -hmm. Um Yeah. Yeah, I, it's a, it, it's a I guess what thing. I'm arguing I, is that it's not capitalism itself that's the problem then. There right. are there are these other factors, right? Certainly. And I, I, I'm generalizing anyway, and not that I'm necessarily, uh, I'm not trying to come off as anti-capitalist right. or opportunity per se, just that um, I think I'm just being cynical from time to time when you start to see this across the board. Yeah. Now, when you get in there, in the lines, I mean, I have been in companies before and been part of processes where there's been a mandate to reduce workforce. And you have to look at people and say, oh, my gosh, who can we afford to lose and who can we not? Right. Oh, I've and been you, there. You know, yes. I, I, right? I've and literally done it in back in 2008. Right, exactly. Uh, so. You know, I was I was uh, the VP of R&D for a smallish company uh, managing some 30 something people. And I got, um, you know, an instruction from the CEO that you need to reduce our um, salary expenses by 30%. Right. Yeah. You have to figure out how you can do that. And I've been uh, on the other end of that. Right. Yeah. And who knows what the factors were that went into that. So anyway, just not trying to drag the whole thing down per se, but just, you know, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, <laughs> just clarifying. Let's that make everybody, all our listeners. Right. Yeah. Let's make all our <laughs> listeners feel down. Uh, right. So yeah, so let's uh, switch topic. Let's switch topic. Yeah, yeah. let's yeah. regress back to the podcast for one second, uh, yeah. because on ours, one of the 
Um, one of the things we like to do is, is uh, the opening of the bottle and the pouring as part of our sound effects, but it's not really like Foley or anything. It's just like this. Yes, that's me opening a Diet Coke. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, that, and didn't sound, that didn't sound like whiskey, you know. No, but you oh, nice. getting some sound effects, right? So anyway, I just wanted to provide you yeah. some of that. This is the right. fun thing we do on so, ours. So you're just putting that right in front of your microphone and just... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Letting it nice. pick up on People that. So think real that we every like, time. are using fake sound effects or something, but yeah. nope, we just do it. So I'm going to take <laughs> no, this that's opportunity... Fun. Because that reminded me, so I actually, uh, like, what was it, two days ago, we popped a bottle of champagne because uh, my friend Vitaly Friedman from Smashing Magazine recently got married. So uh, we we raised the toast to him and his wife who were there at the conference. And uh, yeah, that was really nice. They brought along a bottle of champagne. So (laughs) that's really fun. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, I mean, we've really pigeonholed ourselves into the the whiskey thing. And while there are many kinds of whiskey, uh, I always wonder someday, is it just going to be, are we going to kind of run out of options? I don't know. Uh, no. Probably no, not. There, we are always, there are late. always more blends to try, aren't there? Mm. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And we've tried a lot of things. Oh, actually, we did a, one year, we did like a advent calendar. And so we had 24 different little bottles. Mm. Uh, and we would yeah. do like that was two a lot. or three per episode. It was yeah. so much. And so we tried. If I may like, ask, what, what is the most expensive whiskey that you've had on your show? On the show, mm. um, I was it the I Magellan or something more than that. Something that was about two or three hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, for a bottle. So yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and okay. we didn't end up. We didn't have a guest on that one. I think that was still more early days. So yeah. not per se that we wouldn't, you know consider that path but uh yeah most of the time we're usually in anywhere from like 50 to 100 dollars. so it's like we want things to be approachable because we've been we've started uh publishing early the whiskey that we're going to review on the next released episode so just because a few different people said oh we wish we knew and we could kind of like have it with you while you're trying it so i was like okay sure let's go down that path we wanted it to be a bit more approachable but yeah you that can would be... try to get sponsorships from some distilleries Right, exactly. I think yeah. we're going to need uh, the both of you with uh, on our marketing team to help us. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck here is like, you paid for a conference? Are you sure that was a good idea? At the time, that was a good idea. Now I think it's a bad idea. I'm no, it. I mean, it depends on what you're trying to get out of it. But <clears throat> We were just trying to figure out if that's something we wanted to do and yeah. just experiment a little bit. And, and again, putting together my travel kit was kind of a, a fun experiment as well. Although we've started to upgrade a few other items such as the lighting and, and camera now. Yeah. And so who knows how much of that still works in that same way. But uh, I don't know. I like I like the idea of being somewhat on the go. I'm not. Uh, yeah. I have a tiny office here that I record in. Anytime I can get out of this thing and do work elsewhere, yeah. it's kind of nice. Yeah, I, I hear that. It's funny. I'm moved into a bigger room. I sit in who, what whichever kid isn't in the house at this point in time. Because <laughs> my wife has taken over my office. So we all it's do her what we have to do. Now. Yeah. 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 Robbie has been like on the road recording for quite some time because they yeah. sold their house. And then started house searching for a bit. Mm-hmm. And then they were like in family in a family home and uh, and then was like homeless for a little while. 
not really, but oh, so uh, you recorded yeah. on the street? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Man on the street. No, I was in my parents' <laughs> in uh, your car. Face. Try this whiskey yeah. under a bridge. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, we should yeah, try. That would have been fun to do. Yeah, get a hot spot going on my phone and just and your yeah, your whiskey was in a paper right. bag. <laughs> yeah, it might have been something else. Mad Dog Twenty Twenty. Really highbrow in this show. So our show, not yours. <laughs> Yeah. So what does your travel kit look like? I'm curious. Uh, so we have the Roadcaster Pro. Um, mm-hmm. And I got like a, a a bag for that that holds two mics. Okay. And then, um, so we do that. And I've got like some of those small like Gator uh, mic stands. So I still take like the, the cage for our mics and our, our same mics. Oh, wow. Are our mics again, Robbie? Uh, the Electro Voice RE20. RE20. Mm-hmm. Okay. Beautiful um, mic. That's what I'm talking about, too. Yeah. Yeah. I think a mic is key. So we take that oh, and yeah. take the cage with it. And then I've just got some like heavier desktop uh, ones that we can use. So mostly between that, it ends up working out pretty good. I mean, Air, you know, AirPod right. Max headphones, but uh, well, the headphones most of the time we, we don't even monitor. Yeah. Yeah. The headphones yeah. we had a problem with because we got a bunch of the adapters for the um, like the lightning cord and they weren't. They didn't do Apple audio efficient. the other way or something like it right. was for like something else. So then we just used one and like got all our levels right and then just stopped listening to it and just hoped for the yeah. best. But I'd say <laughs> like uh, desktop stands that are heavy enough and that roadcaster and we'll just record on little SD cards. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so do you, you record do on you the video at all? Don't... Yeah, the roadcaster will record on the card. If we're like yep. on the road, yeah. then we're in person. So. Hmm. So yeah, do you do video you at all can't, on the you, road? You can't count on on having good enough upstream uh, upstream connection. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so we'd rather have that. Riverside's kind of also hard for like yeah. it does not let you do local recordings. Like yeah, no, it's not, it's not great for that. Yeah. yeah. I also had an issue with it before uh, <laughs> before I got my fiber. Chuck uh, would have to pause yeah. me each each uh, my upload. For every episode, otherwise it would more or less saturate my entire network connection in the house uh, mm-hmm. while it was trying to upload. You know, it, it's 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 full speed now. Finally, yeah, we don't need to do yeah. that anymore. Uh, yeah. I, I'm listening to all you guys discuss your microphones. I'm just using this dinky microphone on my on my uh, <laughs> headset. You know, you you do you. Yeah. I've so I think we've started uh, geeking out on it. So yeah. yeah, it's probably more for us than anything. Like the it's much like the lighting and everything else. It's something to kind of play. No, with. but funnily enough, when I had the AC going, Chuck actually could hear the the sound through this mic because I changed my oh, headphones. So right, so it turns yeah. out there that there is value in having. Yeah, these directional equipment. mics are really nice, especially yeah. when you're at a conference and recording. And oh, yeah. while you'll kind of get faint background noise it does a great job of picking up the you know the the speech there and kind of filtering out as much as it can like all the background stuff so it's really helpful in those circumstances or when uh, my daughter Chuck, walks asked about here. video <laughs> yeah no there's actually i think even a bit of an advantage to having a slight amount of background noise in a conference because it makes you feel sound like yeah. you're there yeah 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 otherwise you might be in back in your house just saying that you're at the conference Right. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys publish video for yes any of your yes okay because yeah but not in but Apple, usually so. not in real time. Yeah, it has uh, been in real time. Occasionally we do. So, 
and maybe we'll get into this. I'm I'm curious. Go ahead and answer the video question first, and then I'll talk a little bit about where we're heading with some of that. Yeah, we just recently started doing video. Um, did we do a couple of roadcaster ones, or not um Riverside ones first, and then we did some on the road, but then we were just using a little Opal 4K camera. Those were the which first is, ones. Yeah, which is nice, but um, you you know if you don't have good lighting. It, it really yeah. can't pick up hardly anything. And also at a distance with guests, it's not the greatest. It's it's a nice webcam for Zoom and things like that. But right. uh, So that's basically why we decided to do some camera upgrades to make that, uh, especially on the road, it's going to make that a, a lot nicer experience. Right. Yeah, so uh, it was a year or so ago we started uh, publishing the videos on YouTube. Um, so last, was it last week? No, it was two weeks ago. I was at Podcast Movement um, in Denver, and uh, I, I talked to all kinds of people about all kinds of things. Um, one of the things that just kept coming up over and over and over again as far as growing the show. So back in the day when we started JavaScript Jabber, which was like 11 years ago, um, we just grew through word of mouth, right? Because we were one of the only games in town, and so, you know, people were figuring out that they could listen to podcasts and then they would go, oh, I'm interested in JavaScript and they'd find us. And then their friends would tell them, hey, I'm listening to this awesome JavaScript show. And so people would go and find us, right? Um, it, 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 the the market's still growing. You know, podcasts are still growing, but it's, it's not the same. And so um, when I was talking to people about growth, uh, one of the major strategies is actually live streaming. And so if you, uh, if you live stream your show, um, and you know, some of that is just, you know, you're boosting your numbers because people are going to watch part of it live. And, you know, so you can count all of your live streams off of LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, whatever else you're streaming to. Um, but the other thing is, is that uh, a lot of the podcasters I talked to saw their audio numbers off of their hosting. And I don't know if you're hosting through like Libsyn or Blueberry or somebody else. Uh, ours are Spotify for podcasters. Okay. Well, we're on Spotify as well, but, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's what used to be anchor. Yeah. It used to be yeah, called anchor. Be they anchor. acquired anchor. Okay. Um, but yeah, so the, they see their audio numbers go up too off of that, right. Off of the live streams and then having them available on, on the video platforms and social media platforms. And so, um, I'm actually working on, Figuring a lot of that stuff out now, um, I'm I've actually been negotiating uh, a network hosting deal uh, with Streamyard, so we're probably going to switch <laughs> off of Riverside. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that that's been one of the things that we've been looking at is just okay, you know. So so live streaming them out. Um, some of our guests like to have them edited after the fact and have some of the stuff removed, and then. On the audio end, a lot of people like having it cleaned up, mastered, you know, remove awkward pauses, things like that. And so we'll still keep doing that. Um, and we'll we'll keep posting, you know, the finished uh, episode on YouTube and things like that. One thing that you can do on YouTube, though, is you can actually go and re-upload the video after the fact. And so, you know, you'll have the raw video up until then. But there are some pieces we have to figure out too, right? So. Um, our sponsors, right? Our sponsors have been inserted after the fact. And 
if we're doing a live deal and we want to sell sponsorships on those, then we're going to have to figure out doing live reads on the shows. Um, right. So there are some things to figure out, but that that's been kind of the major way that people have been pushing it forward is doing the live streams. And then, yeah, you go back and you do the YouTube magic to make it show up. Right. So YouTube will promote it and people will share it and you have all your hashtags and everything else. So we're learning that now. But yeah, the video has been a major, major arena of growth with podcasting over the last year or two. And I guess the other piece of that is it's somewhat generational. So, uh, you know, I'm old. I'm not as old mm-hmm. as Dan, but I'm old. Um, and, you know, so, you know, me being in my early 40s, when I started listening to podcasts, it was nice because I could listen to, to them on my commute. I could listen to it while I was mowing the lawn. I could mis- listen to it, you know, during doing all these other things. But like my kids, you know, I have a 17 year old son is my oldest. You know, he's much less interested in audio only content. Right. And so, you know, picking up the kind TikTok of the, generation. Yeah. The younger millennials <laughs> and the older Gen Z they're much more interested in the video content and they will sit and watch people talk to each other. And so where I I wasn't as interested in that. And so that's why they're seeing the growth there is because a YouTube put together some podcast um, focused pieces to their platform. So you, you can change your playlists now into podcasts. And then the other piece of it is, is that, yeah, more and more of the, the folks that are, you know, 10, 15, 20 years younger than I am, are much more interested in consuming video. And so they'll go watch a live stream on Twitter. They'll go watch a live stream on YouTube or Facebook or whatever. Um, the you know, thing, they'll go though. watch content on TikTok. And so that's where you're picking up new listeners. You're picking up younger listeners. Interesting. Here's the thing, though, at least for me, maybe because, again, like you said, I'm old, but I can't watch something, certainly something that's, uh, has you know significant content and do some other thing at the same time true i don't know M- maybe right. maybe you know do my in-house cycling uh, mm-hmm. uh something like that but you know with a podcast and i literally you know do stuff and listen to podcasts i can jog yeah. i can shop i can i don't know drive somewhere these are things that i cannot do and watch a video. So it serves a totally different purpose for me. Well, it sounds like, but uh, Robbie's the only one that can really speak to this context then, because I'm going to be 46 in a few weeks and same deal. (laughs) You're older than my wife. That is old. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I I hate watching videos too, though. So I I can't even really... Yeah, but like I, 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 yeah. I would mow and listen to podcasts all the time. But I'm time. down to like put content in other yeah. places if people want to check it out. Like if that's a, if that's something that that uh, there's demand for, I'm like open to trying it out. I mean, we just basically push some stuff to yeah, YouTube. Yeah, you and, can uh, yeah. you can talk about tech, we'll drink whiskey, and model swimsuits all at the same time. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Everyone's going to see my career. tan line. I didn't know, Dan, you found that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, one thing to Dan's point, though, is, and this is another thing that I kind of picked up while I was there, is that, yeah, a lot of the folks that prefer video, they'll they'll subscribe to the audio feed 
so that they can consume it on the go. But a lot of the consumption winds up happening on the video platforms. And so they, they do both. Yeah, it seems like yeah, a win-win for us, at least. Yeah. So, it's yeah, interesting. Actually, uh, it means it means that you need to create your video content in such a way that it provides extra value when you're watching it, but still provides value if you're only listening to it. That's not necessarily a trivial thing to do. Right. right. Well, that's where you have the whole like uh, trend of people live coding, like on Twitch yep. and stuff like that. And How can you so... listen to live coding, though? You can't listen. You That's can't. what I'm saying is like that is the visual appeal. If you want to like get something from a visual that is more than the conversation, yeah. I would say that arena is where things are happening because yep. they're projecting their screens up so you can see that they're speaking with you and they're going through concepts and then they're coding through something and talking about that and giving you opinions and feedback and whatever and reading a chat. Talk about like you have to be able to, to multitask. Yeah. That's another thing. Yeah, I know AJ but, does But you're that. right. It doesn't translate. It doesn't translate to audio only. No, it doesn't. So, you know, that, I just think that's the other extreme, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I listen. I, I, I watch, for example, stuff that Theo puts out. And mm-hmm. that's actually something that you could just listen to. Uh, so I actually think that Theo does it fairly well, but being able to put out content mm-hmm. that's consumable in both types of formats and you know has value either way but it's not an easy thing to do i think yeah it's definitely if you're just a visual learner and you want to hear conversation and remember it and so seeing faces and reactions like i don't know how much value our content necessarily adds other than you can see our faces you can see our guest face you Maybe associate what you're hearing that you see the whiskey we're having. So that helps you remember what it is. But outside of that, I I don't know. Um, I mean, it's pretty loose in general. Obviously, after we get a commitment from the guest, uh, we'll start to look at what whiskeys we've tried and what we are interested in and what kind of fits into the profile we think they may or may not like based on any feedback. If they just say, you know, YOLO, then we'll pick something interesting that I don't know. I like to pretend that I think about like, oh, what is the person working on or what I know about them and what askews to their personality type in that. And then we do basic show notes. So, um, you know, some things about their background, depending on if they write blogs or have other content, I'll kind of dig into some older things to see if there's any interesting subject matter, tech or non-tech that we could bring up during the show that maybe they haven't talked about before. Um, but outside of that, then it's just start, introduce themselves. We have a couple of like regular questions we ask, try the whiskey, and then it goes where it goes. And, uh, how regular are you about putting out episodes? Every week. And and release. And if you don't mind me asking, what's your backlog like? In what way? uh, Like how many? Like, like, for example, if for some reason... In a certain week, like you're unable to record. I don't know. The guest has an emergency and you know doesn't make it, or one of it's you know one of you can't make it, or or, or both of you can't make it. Something like that. Like, uh, does yeah, that how mean far ahead that, are you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right now we're pretty far ahead because we did all those live ones at the conferences. So mm. I think we were like like a couple of months ahead. So we could like skip months. a bunch if we want. Like, yeah, like Chuck is going to be on vacation for a couple of weeks 
here's or sorry, Charles. Don't want to confuse people. <laughs> no, it's all good. Uh, yeah, you don't want to confuse people. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we're we're covered for that. But then, like, when whenever we do have less of a backlog, um, Charles and I will just jump on and like do one with just us. Like, we'll always make sure we fill that gap. So we're pretty good about doing that. Yeah, we yep. do the same. Uh, I think our backlog is currently about three or four weeks, isn't it, uh, Chuck? Yeah, it's about three weeks. Yeah. It's uh, it's tr- it's a tricky balance to hit because some of the stuff we wind up talking about is somewhat timely. Yeah. Uh, the right. other thing is is that if we want our guests to engage, then um, a lot of times if we wait too long, then it's kind of out of mind, and you know, so then it's hard to get them to engage on social media and things like that. I think three to four weeks is kind of our sweet spot. Yeah, uh, it does create some, some some problems sometimes. For example, I uh, we talked about about it before. I don't recall if it was <laughs> before or after we started recording, but we had uh, Dan Abramov uh, on our show mm-hmm. talking about uh, React server components, and and he was actually like doing the rounds between all the main podcasts, and uh, all of them really got him on as soon as he asked. And for us, for some reason, we told them, you know, here's the schedule link. <laughs> and the <Yeah>. only free <laughs> slot was like two months away. And then it took another mm. month for the episode to come, out. to come out. So we were like almost two to three months after everybody else, uh, which actually had a bit of an advantage, I think, in that particular case uh, for two reasons. First of all, it enabled uh, us to kind of prepare because I could mm-hmm. actually listen to what he talked about on the other podcasts and come up with what I thought were interesting and in, in you know new questions that he hadn't asked before, and we actually were able to dive really deeply thanks to that. Um, and and the other thing is that sometimes when you have the same person speaking on all the podcasts at the same time, well then you know uh, it creates a problem of saturation. Uh, and we yeah. kind of had them at a separate time than everybody else, which I think was also potentially an advantage. But sometimes it does create a problem, like you said, Chuck, of, of not being timely. Like a person does right. want to talk ab- ahead of a release event or something like that of mm-hmm. a new version. And uh, it can be tricky sometimes. Yeah, on some of those, what we've done is we've just rearranged the backlog, right? We just said, OK, we'll yeah. just put this out next week. Um, yeah, but it can get more challenging. Episode. It can get more challenging Same if deal. we want to record them earlier than the schedule seems yeah. to allow. Yeah. Right. So, so there have been a few where, yeah, we've had somebody get back to us and say it would be really great if you could release it on this particular week, right? So we just accommodate it because um, our editor, and I don't know if you guys edit your own shows, but you know we have an editor that is paid by the sponsorships and stuff, and he. Um, he usually is editing stuff, you know, the week before it goes live. So it's not, yeah, it's not to the point where, you know, it's like, well, I've edited these other two, right? I got to slot this in and hurry and get it done. He just does it as part of his normal course. And we just make sure that he knows a week in advance that this one's going, not that one. Yeah, that seems pretty reasonable. And no, we don't edit our own. I'm not sure I could be trusted with that kind of thing. <laughs> with uh, that kind of power. Yeah, that's right. It may change in the future unless we go down the sponsorship uh, path. But uh, thus far, we've been kind of... Oh, you're, you're going sponsorless? We, yeah, so far. 
Mm. So we buy all our own whiskeys, we pay the editor and all of that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's sort of irrelevant now, but uh we have a consultancy that like had money to pay for all of this before. Yeah. Now oh, Chuck okay. and I have real jobs, so uh or Charles and I, sorry, I am never gonna get that right. No, it's um, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Other jobs. Uh, so wait a minute, do you guys work together now or not in your day job? No, no, we do not. Yeah, we did before. We've been running a consultancy for a few years together. And what do you guys do now, if I may ask? Uh, and I'm feel free to not answer. Yeah, a janitor. <laughs> yeah. I'm a janitor. I feel that sometimes. You know, You're a coach. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that yeah. that previously mentioned uh, difficult uh, job search. I mean, so you know, we do what we got to do, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have uh, five kids. I, I feel like a janitor. Oh, okay, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, for Art Nineteen specifically. So there, it's their podcast hosting platform they acquired. So there's so a lot of synergy use. there, having a podcast and working for a podcast hosting company. So that we don't use that's irony well they don't let you use so you can't like you, as a casual person you can't go i'd like to switch to this provider and like like no it's like invite only kind of thing hmm. yeah interesting there we go but chuck has uh given us lots of insight into ways to improve our potential for sponsorship so we've been exploring some things anyway but yeah and i'm happy to talk about it offline too um so where are you a janitor at charles chuck I'm actually a yeah, janitor, not a janitor, but a engineering manager for a uh, platform engineering team. Oh, yeah. oh, cool, cool. Yeah, platform engineering is its own subset oh, wow. of yeah, you know, things that people talk about in tech. So yeah, that yeah. as well. And it the, can, the means interest- different things to different people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a machine learning show on uh, top end devs. And ML ops, you know, with some of that platform engineering, it it gets really interesting. So, yeah, for sure, especially depending upon how organizations define that yep. and split work there. And you know, so many people think about it in the context of like uh, SREs or something mm-hmm. of that nature, and that's not always the case. There's n- nope. there isn't always uh, YAML in your life. <laughs> Even though I I like YAML, so you know I'm a I'm a YAML advocate. So yeah, might have to see if we can plug you into the Adventures in DevOps show too. Oh, there we go. Totally down. Terraform. I've got a nice. Yeah, (laughs) well, that's controversial now, right? Is it OpenTF or Terraform or what? You know, where's that all going? Well, didn't like the Cloud Native uh, Foundation end up adopting OpenTF already or something like that? I have I no idea, but mm. it's it's interesting. Yeah. Just yeah, from the technical side, I mean, are you are you Dockerized? Are you you know Kubernetes Helm? Are you um, are you using some of those, and then something like Terraform to get what you want out of it? Um, That's what we know, do, it, right? And then you have your whole secrets management, and then the other end of DevOps is you know what are your you know, who are the people involved? What are your practices? What's your process look mm-hmm. like? And, oh, and it, it's, it's, it's really kind of fun to dig into. And then, and then if you back it out far enough, it's like, okay, well, um, you know, how much of this is influenced by things like agile development or I mean, you go on and on and on. It's, it's, what it's a fun agile area to be in. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. What is your flavor of agile? Because agile doesn't necessarily mean scrum. And, right. You know, it's, it's a waterfall every week. It's a new waterfall just... <laughs> every two weeks. You're hurting people's right. souls saying these things, but it's it's yeah, kind of true. Must... I mean, I think it's absolutely true. You know, go down yeah, the. Yeah. And then there's there's places where agile is essentially lean and kanban and yeah, uh, you know, work workflow work in progress flows and things like that too so i don't know know, i just like having a a, a title with the word master in it in it you know scrum (laughs) master i think it's almost ironic oh were you talking to me sorry Mm. (laughs) i'm just just kidding by the way i totally don't you are the master isn't that it's a little different yeah yeah no i don't want to be a master of anything maybe of my craft um right we're we're kind of getting toward the end of the the time that I have, so uh, I'm gonna push us toward the way we wrap up, and I, I and then maybe I don't know how do you guys wrap up your show? You just we usually ask uh, the guests if uh, they have anything they want to mention or plug or that we didn't talk about any last minute thing. I and, assume uh, that you end your show drunk under the table. Yeah, that too. <laughs> I, I mean, I in my head, that's what I think we say, but in reality, it's a little more like <laughs> like that. All I right. can hold my liquor, Dan. It's yeah. okay. Right. So, it, if people want to to follow the show, uh, what what are the best places to find your stuff and to find you guys? This is Robin's yeah. part. <laughs> We're on uh, whiskeyweb and whatnot fm. Um, so you can find all of our other links on there. Um, we have X and TikTok now. I don't know if TikTok links on there. We're, we're trying to do all the new cool hip things. Instagram. I don't know what I'm doing yet. I don't know. So yeah, we're figuring that <laughs> yeah. out. Again, we need sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, you want to sell your souls, okay? To I, to I cap, am for sale. Well, yeah, yeah, we yeah, all are. Too. Yeah, right. All right. Well, the way we end it is we do picks, and picks are kind of the the self promo. You can throw those in there too. Um, but yeah, it's just anything you're really enjoying, liking, want to shout out about, whatever. Uh, Dan, why don't you why don't you start us with picks? Okay, we'll do. So I have two associated picks. Uh, the first pick I have is uh, I mentioned that I just got back from a conference. It was on the on August 31st and September 1st. It was uh, a front conference in Zurich. Uh, it was great in and special in that um, it kind of brings developers and designers together. Uh, so you have an a kind of intersection of technology and design, and uh, you know things that uh, I learned about things that I usually don't learn about. And it was really interesting in that context and had also a lot, very diverse set of speakers and, and the audience. And it was a really cool venue and well-organized conference. And, and I enjoyed it a lot. And it's also in lovely Zurich. So what's not to like? Um, and what's associated with it is that a lot of the talks that I was there were actually about CSS. And it turns out, you know, we keep talking in, in the front-end realm. We talk about frameworks and we talk about uh, meta-frameworks and not and whatnot. But it seems to me that uh, recently the, the real cool things are happening in CSS. Uh, and, uh, and what's really nice is that it, it's been stagnant. It seemed like being stagnant for a while. And then all of mm-hmm. a sudden it's making this big push. 
And what's really cool about it is that it seems to be supported by all the vendors. So a lot of these things either already have wide support really quickly after being announced or are in the process of getting wide support. So, uh, you know, you're not just seeing these all these cool features that you, know, you can't use, but will, you will actually be able to use all of them in a few months. And if, if some browser or platform still doesn't support them, well, in most cases, there's also really graceful degradation. Uh, for example, with uh, view transitions, is the ability to create really slick animated transitions between pages, things that uh, could have been possible uh, previously only with JavaScript on top of single-page applications, and even then with a lot of work, can now be done really nicely with just CSS on top of single-page applications or multi-page applications. Now, it's not quite done there. I think it's currently only supported in Chrome, but it seems like the other browsers will support it as well, and it degrades very gracefully in the sense that you just don't get that transition, but you still get that page navigation. Uh, and there are some really cool examples online, some frameworks like Astro. Astro 3 recently came out. Uh, they've actually added some built-in support for it, which makes it extremely easy to use from within your framework with very little coding and it's and, and works well with components and it's really nice. Other things in that context that can be mentioned are container queries, which for years, everybody thought they were kind of impossible to do properly. And then, you know, the CSS uh, working group figured out how to do them. And now we're getting them in all the browsers and they're extremely cool. Um, and something new in that context that I learned more or less today is a CSS anchor positioning, which enables you to position elements relative to each other. So you can actually have, you know, one div automatically placed relative to just, you know, below another div. And if that div moves, so does this one. And you can even have the positioning specified in such a way that it tries to be inside the viewport. So think about positioning a menu relative to a button. Uh, and that menu will always try to be inside the viewport, like, you know, like native menus. Really cool stuff. Uh, so uh, CSS would be my pick and everything cool that's happening with it. Uh, and finally, I always mention the ongoing war in Ukraine. Uh, you know, do whatever you can to help the people of Ukraine because that war is still ongoing. And those are my picks for today. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to throw out my picks and then we'll have our guests go ahead with theirs. Um, the first pick that I have, I always do a board game pick. And so if I've played something new, then I'll pick that. And if I haven't, then I'll pick something that's one of my favorites. Uh, so the pick that I have this week, it's a card game. It's called Canvas. Uh, came out in 2021. And effectively, what you're doing is you have uh, you have three uh, paintings that, that you're trying to build. And so um, you pick uh, cards that have certain elements on them. And then um, there are like five, uh, what are they? They're symbols on the bottom in the different colors. So there are five colors at the bottom of the, the card and you slide them into sleeves on the canvas and 
so you can stack them. You can stack you stack three, and then your painting's done. Is the way that it works. So um, once you have five cards, you have to paint your painting. You can paint it before if you have what you want, and then uh, there are cards that tell you what the different symbols score at, and so you put your painting together. And when you're done, um, your painting will have a name, right? Because it has a little slot for the name, which is just kind of fun. And you're supposed to explain to the other people you're playing with what the story is behind the painting. You have all kinds of bizarre stuff on it, which is fun. But ultimately, yeah, you're trying to, to build this painting so that you get the best score. And the score is based on those symbols at the bottom that tell you what elements and how high art your painting is. And it, it was fun. Uh, played it with uh, some really good friends of mine, generally the people that I'm playing these games with. Uh, Board Game Geek has a weight on it of 1.65, which means that it's very approachable to casual gamers. Um, you can play one to five players. We played it with five. It was pretty fun. Um, and uh, anyway, there there is an element of uh, you have to pull the first card in the you know in in the row unless you have a pallet. And if you have a pallet, you give up your pallet to skip to the next one. So you can do two or three or four pallets and get all the way to the fifth card. Um, and anyway, it, it was it was a lot of fun. We had a good time playing it. Um, these are people that, you know, we've, we've played games with for years, my wife and I. And so um, we, 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 anyway, we all the inside jokes and everything else that goes on with that kind of a thing. So I'm going to pick that. Um, we talked a little bit about podcast gear and um, and kind of the mobile uh, setup. So I'm going to pick one of the things that I, I actually just bought this. I haven't actually been able to play with it yet. So I might pick it again so that I can tell you all how it worked. But um, there's a four-channel uh, wireless lavalier mic system that you can get. Um, it'll. I got the one that'll hook up to your phone. But uh, I also have a DSLR camera that a lot of times I'll be taking with me to some of these um, conferences because at this point I want the video as well. Um, before that, I had a Zoom H6, which is a, a recorder that records the SD card. Um, but now that I want the audio it, or the video, I, you know, I'm looking at how to take the camera with me. Um, anyway, it was not cheap. It was $400. Um, but... Yeah, it's all it's all wireless and uh, pretty easy to set up and use. I'm also planning on doing some YouTube stuff with my kids, and so that's going to be a piece of that as well because I have a green screen. Um, if you've watched some of the other videos, you've seen it behind me when I'm recording a, a podcast. Um, but I'm actually going to be setting it up and lighting it over there, and then I'll have some other stuff behind me here uh, when I'm recording, sitting at my desk. But um, because I'm moving my office. I, I think I might have mentioned that before. But anyway, so it, it just looks like a great way to go because I can just clip it onto people and we can just talk. Um, and yeah, it may not be as high quality as, yeah, taking some roadcasters or, or things like that where, wherever we're going, but it's portable, it's easy, and right, I can just hook it up to the DSLR camera and record the whole thing. So, um, uh, Anyway, so th those are my two picks. Um, I did get something else that I'm going to be using for my triathlon training, but I'll pick that next week because I'm I, I want to try it out first. I I don't think I have anything else uh, that I want to shout out about at this point. 
Um, other than that, you can go check out. I'm actually going to start releasing courses here within the next few weeks on Top End Dev. So if you want to go check that out, um, you can do that. Uh, Robbie, you have some picks? Um, yeah, I guess I would pick the desk that I am sitting at right now. It is, uh, since I just recently moved, I've gotten some new furniture and things. Uh, this is the B-Flow Tenon desk. Um, it's a, a standing desk, but it also has like a lot of built-in cord management and stuff like that. Um, so I'm very pleased with like, as being a person who usually just has cords everywhere and like not managing that, I like that it has a lot of ways to, to keep all that in check. Um, so definitely check it out. It's also not cheap, um, but I think it's worth it. So, and that's all I got. Nice. That's your only pick. You're not yeah. going to pick any whiskey? Um, I mean, I could. We we like all of the barrel whiskeys. Uh, I think the Dovetail is my favorite one they make, Barrel Craft Spirits. Um, check that one out. It's in, I think, Cabernet barrels and like a couple other kind of barrels or something. So it's it's pretty tasty. Hmm. Nice. Charles. Charles the third. That's right. Um, my first pick is long names. Um, no, just, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I was going to say the first pick just because we recently upgraded our cameras and lenses. Um, so I'll go ahead and pick the Sony A7 III. Uh, I also picked up the 28mm Sony lens. Um, and I've been very happy with that setup with uh, all kinds of lighting conditions. It actually that works pretty well in low light. And with specific lighting setups, uh, seems to be working pretty good thus far. Um, and my other pick would be just because it's occupied so much of my mind share over this last month. I'm a big soccer fan and in particular the European leagues, the Premier League. This was a big transfer, summer transfer ending month, uh, just ended on the 31st. So Manchester United Football Club is in my mind. Often, unfortunately, after this weekend, it is grumpily in my mind. So my third pick will be also whiskey, which will be the Sagamore Rye, which is our tried and true friend. We did a barrel pick last year with that particular one and often recommend it to folks because it's very approachable uh, price-wise, like around $35 or so, and uh, delicious. So those are my picks. Very cool. I, I have to poke the soccer bear for a minute. Uh, Uh-oh. Don't tell I mean, me you're a Liverpool fan. <laughs> No, I, in fact, um, I mostly just figured out that I can watch a Serie A uh, soccer. So I, I lived in Italy for a couple of years. And yeah. I, I, I'm I a Juventus Italian man. Too. Uh-oh. So. I was going to say, I'm, I'm an Inter, Inter. man. Because oh. it was the, in 2009, it was, I was at the San Siro. It was my first in-person match uh european match so always a special place in my heart there right uh jose Mourinho was there and it was just incredible so yeah. they're kind of my number two team yeah i haven't been to a, a european match in 20 what 21 22 years um the one that we got to go to was uh verona versus venezia and they were playing in verona which is where i lived so anyway it, it was it was very fun uh People were lighting stuff on close to the balcony. The it was wild. Yeah, Chuck, did you did you live life. close to the balcony? Um, live close. What do you mean? Is it oh, Juliet's balcony? Dear Ferrari. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. The beginning of Romeo um, and Juliet. Yeah, so that stuff's all kind of in the downtown area. We lived a little ways outside. Um, Northern Italy is five, lovely. Yeah, five five minute bike ride, I think, from there is where we lived. Nice. Um, well, like yeah, I said, no, Northern is, Italy is, is a beautiful place. You know, Lake Garda, Lake Como. Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of Como. Yeah, we, we rode our bikes. I should probably end the show, but we rode our bikes on Christmas morning. We all got up, took the train out to this little isthmus and dock on uh, Lake Como. And we just rode out on the lake and then rode back. It was nice. awesome. But yeah, beautiful areas. Um, uh, yeah, I lived in Verona and Pordenone. Um, I also lived in Arezzo, which is in uh, Tuscany. It's in the middle mm. of Tuscany. And that was that was gorgeous too. I have to say one thing about that area. So we visited there a while back when my daughter was something like eight years old. And she goes, Dad, it's not fair that they have such beautiful scenery and such beautiful houses. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, thanks for coming, guys. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for, having for having us. Me. Yeah. And, and I'm yeah. waiting to get invited in to drink some whiskey. Yeah. We'll work it out <laughs> for sure. Nudge, nudge, <laughs> figure out the international, international yeah. shopping. That's yeah, the, the logistics is always the yeah. hardest part. But yeah. We'll work it out. We'll chat. All right. I'm Good counting deal. on it. Yeah. In any event, it was great having you guys on. Thank you for coming. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So we'll wrap it. Till next time, Max out of the day. <laughs>